Action! Action! Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with Noah Ardra and Shane Van La. Welcome, Shane. How Thank you? you very much. Yeah, it's doing well. Pleasure to have you on the podcast. So we're going to give a little introduction for the podcast we just did with Nick Hazel from Cafe Bookkeepers. So Nick Hazel uh, owns Cafe Cafe Bookkeepers and Prospitality. So he's he manages uh, finances for hospitality establishments, and he also helps cafes or hospitality businesses uh, with exit strategies. So if somebody wants to sell, he helps them value the business, helps them negotiate, helps them find proper buyers. Uh, He will give you guidance on how you should structure your business to get the most value out of it. Uh, So it's a a pretty insightful, very value-driven conversation that we have with him. Uh, This podcast we actually decided to do as a live podcast. So we invited different people uh, to come into the doors and contribute to the conversation. So we had, I think, 15 to 20 people. They got a, they got a bagel and a, and a coffee, and they got to ask whatever questions they, they were wondering or any sort of discussion that they wanted to create. Uh, Shame, how do you, you think it went? Yeah, I mean, it was a great experience, very personable. Um, allowed people to kind of, I guess, open up to a professional and get some honest opinions and insight into the industry. Um, so yeah, I think it was a very rare opportunity. It doesn't usually happen. And I mean, it was for more or less a, a very um, cost-effective uh, way for the um, speakers to kind of uh, interact with people. No, I fucked them, but let's do something It's all good, man. It's all I was good. trying to think. Now we're continuing. <laughs> uh, well, look, I, to be honest with you, what I liked about it was Nick was actually prepared uh, in, his, in his conversation. So, <laughs> so he actually... <laughs> That's not even a script, bro. I can know. You fuck up. I know. Well, I was overthinking it. <laughs> Come on, guys. Uh, Look, what? what so I, no, don't do that. Don't do You're that. gonna put it online. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, we're continuing. Uh, so, look, what what I liked about the whole conversation, Nick was actually prepared. He had a systemized approach to uh, the foundations of how your business is valued. So, what price you're gonna get for it when you sell it? A lot of misconceptions that we have that we think actually add value to the business. When at the end of the day, when somebody's looking to buy, they're actually focusing on just a few things. Uh, so he goes through that and he gives us a bit of help and I think, yeah, if you're interested, jump on next to hear what it was about and thank you. I will just do the outro. Uh, thank you, Amadeo. Sure. <laughs> thank you, Shane. <laughs> I mean, I, I just want to add one thing. Let's not forget that he also um, helps people to buy businesses. So it's not just about selling. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. buying, bookkeeping, selling, understanding yeah. the whole concept of it. Please listen to the whole thing. It's not that long anyway. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there's a lot of fun. And he was he was really awesome, actually. Yeah. And I've learned a lot. And hopefully we all yeah. do. It's cut, it's cut a bit short, but within that... There's a lot of information, so stick with it. Perfect. Yeah. Let's let, let them listen now. All right. We'll Sounds talk to good. you guys later. All right. Thank you, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Bye. Welcome, uh, guys. Yeah, welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for coming down. Uh, so basically what we'll be doing is we'll be giving a little conversation. Uh, Nick is sort of going to direct it, and we'll be talking about how you can prepare your cafe so that when you want to sell it, it has a higher value. What sort of things you should be thinking of, what sort of things need to be done beforehand, what sort of things you can do when you already have it, uh, just to make sure you're the best prepared for if you do want to, want to pass it on. Uh, so we've, we've put little cards on the benches over there. So if you guys have any questions, write it down on the card, put it on the table, and then at the end we'll grab them and then we'll sort of read them out and we'll answer them. So it'll be a bit of a discussion, a conversation between us three. 
uh, welcome to take notes. And yeah, if you have any any questions, just write them down. So so thank you. So hello, hello Nick. How hello, are you? Hello guys. Thanks for having me. Um, really appreciate it. It's good to um, be able to talk with you guys today and share whatever insights I can. Um, so yeah, honoured to be here. So thank you. Um, so. Firstly, uh, before I introduce myself, who has come today uh, with more of an interest in buying? Show of hands. Okay, and those with more of an interest in selling? Ah, we've got buyers. Okay. Oh, and, buyers. A lot of buyers. <laughs> and, uh, it's and a be, good business. It's a good And be, be honest, cool. who came for the free bagel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's more, more, more of a muffin. Don't run us out of business, man. So um, my name's Nick Hazel. Uh, I'm the director of two businesses. One is Cafe Bookkeepers, which is bookkeeping for the hospitality industry. We've got clients uh, all over Australia, mainly based in Sydney, where, where we are based. And uh, I've also got another business called Prospitality, which is business broking for hospitality. So essentially, uh, when a business owner gets to the point where they might want to sell their business, yep. that's where I get involved and help them out through that process. So um, I've spent about eight years in the industry and I've noticed some trends which uh, surprised me. Firstly, cafe owners work very, very hard. Harder than a lot of other industries I've seen. You know, it's long hours, it's not easy, you're on your feet, um, you're in front of customers all day, it's tough. Mm. Uh, and the other thing that surprised me is the lifespan of business owners that own a cafe. So generally, uh, they start a business, and then say four to six years later, they either close down the business or they sell the business and move on to something else. So this surprised me because for, from a, a bookkeeping side, we'd uh, have a great rapport with clients, and then suddenly um, they would move on. Um, what also really surprised me was the amount of money that people would pay for these businesses, and it showed that even though there's a lot of hard work in hospitality, a lot of long hours, if you do it right, you can really succeed and really make some good money for yourself. So my two businesses are basically, in essence, the same as we gather all of the moving parts in order to either report to a business owner, mm -hmm. um, to somebody that wants to buy the business, tax office, etc. So today we're going to cover uh, how do we go about valuing a cafe. We're going to look at uh, what you can do to increase the value of a cafe. And finally, what are buyers wanting in 2018? So the formula for valuing your cafe, it's easy. Has everybody got a pen? Pick it up, put it back down, um, <laughs> because it doesn't exist. You know, people will come to me and say, oh, Nick, I know it's this ratio or it's turnover times this. Look, it, it changes. It's like the property market in Sydney, you know, we've seen that go crazy over a few years and then it slides back. So what is it, perspective? It's sort of... There's just too, too many factors that change. So in order to um, present something to, to you guys today, I thought, well, what are the two things that don't change? And they are always time and money. So uh, when I say time and I'm referring to a cafe, I'm referring to the time that's in your lease. Uh, and the other time is, well, how much do we have as individuals? You know, we can't all work 24 hours a day. We're limited to what we can do when it comes to business. Yep. 
When I touch on money, uh, that one's straightforward. How much money can I earn and how much will it cost me? So let's put this into a practical cafe scenario. You find a beautiful uh, sunny corner spot, lots of natural light, lots of people walking past. It's perfect, you know, this is where you want to set up a cafe. You uh, approach the agent, you sign a lease and it's for five years. You don't know what you're going to do in five years time. You don't want to be locked in for so long. It's fair enough. You run the business for three years. It's going really well and you think, you know, maybe it's time for a change. Bad news is, it's too late. So you might think it's a five year lease. I've got two years remaining. It seems like a lot of time. But what that means for a buyer is uncertainty. They don't know that they're going to be able to continue to trade in that space after those two years. So the lease is absolutely critical and I'll touch on that a few times today. So that's the main thing to always focus on is getting your lease right, getting the terms and the length right from day, day dot. Can I ask a quick question? Or, you know, there's a lot of coffee shop out there that goes, uh, yeah, we're not making money, but we have 10 years lease. And they try to sell it for you for really high value because the lease is, is long term. Does that make sense to pay the money they're asking for? Oh, it, it depends on the money, but generally no. Yeah. If your business <laughs> isn't making money. Good, because no. I need to hear that, yeah. you know, not yeah. because you have yeah. a so 15 years lease. it ticks one yeah. side, they've got the time, but <laughs> then they're not making the, the money. The money is uncertain. That's yeah. right. They have okay. to change it dramatically. Sorry, like, um, you're talking about like the lease, you said that's a Oh, in that scenario, it's yeah, two years left until mm -hmm. till no lease. So, I mean, even if you have an option, sometimes maybe uh, the property owner doesn't want to renew it for that for that person, or or that doesn't mean you're gonna be there for another five years. Like, a lot of things could change, right? Yeah, it depends on what's in the lease. But generally, if you've got the option, you've got the right to exercise it. So you do... You do, can, you can expect. Okay, yeah, good. so it's usually that's okay. Even so, in change of ownership? Uh, yeah, so if we look at, uh, as a segue to your question would be, in that um, initial scenario, what if there was a longer lease? So. If in that first instance, instead of signing five years, you sign 10 years, you want to sell after three years, it's absolutely perfect because then the person coming in has seven years to uh, pay back their investment and make some money. So the exact same cafe, exact same location, exact same fit out, and the longer lease means that it's something that's saleable for something that you're going to really struggle to sell. So it's cr super crucial. Would you say that the length of the lease makes your cafe more sellable or increases the value of your cafe? So like a short lease, maybe people won't buy, want to buy it and if it's a longer lease, people will want to buy it. But does it actually increase the value of your cafe? It depends on what the market's doing. So say three years ago, it would increase the value substantially. Yep. At the moment, uh, the market's fairly competitive. So it's more of a case of that's the thing that will get people across the line. You need to tick line. that box. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it does change. So how do you go about increasing the value of your cafe? What works and what doesn't? So firstly, we've just touched on it, long lease, super important. Um, the other thing with leases is it's not just the length of them, uh, but factors like what's your rent? what are you turning over, therefore what is the percentage 
of your rent to your turnover. That's really crucial. And that can be difficult when you're just finding a location. Um, you know, you're not necessarily buying a business. If you're starting something from scratch, that's where it really pays to ask questions. You know, talk to me, talk to other business owners, talk to businesses in the area, and they can give you an indication of what a, a turnover is for that size of shop. And therefore, you can work out well what's a good rent to pay. What's what's a good percentage in your opinion? Any anything under ten percent, you should you should do okay. Anything it's above pretty hard to get <laughs> these days. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I think I think fifteen percent is becoming more acceptable See, these days. That's the accountant yeah. in me. You want to aim for two percent. Fifty percent profit. If you can get the landlord to pay you to be there, then that's ideal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so look, it, it, it does depend, and then you know, obviously the larger, yeah. if you're paying 15% rent, but your turnover is 3 million, uh, it's a lot better than if your turnover is 300,000 and you're paying 15%. Yeah, rent. Yeah, you know, yeah. the, the money that trickles down to you will change. So it's important that you know, if it was $1,000 a week, we are at least making 12 grand to survive. Probably, like not making money, I would say, probably just surviving, because you got the labor cost later. Yeah, and, and cost of goods and all the rest coming. So. And, and it's something that um, buyers are more comfortable with, you know. So a lot of the time, a lot of the factors that they're looking at um, are hard to juggle. You know, you do, you've got cost of goods sold, you've got yep. wages, you've yep. got electricity, you've got so many different factors. And what's the one thing that doesn't change? It's rent. You know, whether it's sunny, whether it's cloudy, whether you have 20 staff, whether you have one staff member, the rent week in, week out is always going to be the same. So that's the most important thing to somebody uh, buying your business. It's what you can't change, basically. Yeah, yeah. you, you can costs. you can um, send staff home early, you can order less, but yeah. You, know, yeah. you can't cut half the building and say, I don't want to pay <laughs> the, uh, the rent I, on I, I think there's another point. I mean, you it's, it is a constant for that year, but next year is going to go up depending on the CPI and you know percent as well so always keep that in mind exactly when you sign a lease that has 10 years of three three point five percent increase I mean in 10 years then calculate how much is going to be in 10 years the lease because keep that it's increasing every year so yeah. and a lot of people fall into this trap exactly and don't be afraid to negotiate so unfortunately I think most people that I speak to would uh, not know the terms of their lease. So they know what their rent is, but they don't know what their outgoings are, they don't know what their increase is, as, as you've mentioned. Mm. So it's important that uh, A, you know them, because they're very important, and B, when you're signing the lease, you maybe you can negotiate a better deal. It's, it's worthwhile spending a little bit more time to get that right at the start, yep. rather than being stuck with it for yep. the next 10 years. So. We've got the uh, time in the lease. Uh, and the, the other factor we spoke about was the time, the owner's involvement. So what I mean by that is um, a cafe that's earning 100,000 profit a year that is under management versus a cafe that's earning 100,000 profit a year with an owner-operator that's doing 60 hours are completely different businesses. So the amount they're making is the same, but the one under management is worth more because that person then has their time to maybe work somewhere else, open another business, have other investments. So not just the time in the lease, but the time uh, and involvement of an owner is crucial as well. Even, even if they have like, wages for themselves, if, if they pay themselves 
when, wages when I and say still profit, um, or? you know, a business earning a hundred thousand, whether it's that's net profit or that's on payroll, whichever whichever same. way it comes to you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're paying yourself a wage, technically it's under management, right? No. Because you can put someone in that the, wage. Yeah. Yeah, would that that make sense? Because I'm I'm looking into one at the moment, and and it is making money, right? But they are operating it, and he gave me a figure. I'm like, are you paying yourself? He's like, no. Well, like, well, you have to pay yourself here to to evaluate the business properly. So it it's it depends. So from um, the seller's perspective, uh, he might have had advice to be on payroll for tax purposes. So normally what we would do as a broker is say, okay, your wage cost is $10,000 a week. The owner's uh, wage is 2,000 in that. So we would take that out and say your wage cost is 8,000. So what you would have to find out in that instance is what the owner's involvement is mm. and see if it's worth the money that's, that's um, coming out of that business. There's also that idea that if the owner is too involved in the business and the business revolves around the owner, as soon as that owner leaves, such a large client base is associated with the relationships he has it means you will end up losing business yeah. so I guess that's not shown in numbers but definitely we've seen it time and time again Spot yeah a hundred percent again that's something that uh, it's it's hard because it's uncertainty so if you're particularly a charismatic owner and then somebody coming in who's maybe a bit shyer and you know hasn't been in hospitality as change long, the energy they're going to be very worried yeah, yeah. yep so uh, another factor that's important uh, is the cost of the lease. So we, we touched on the rent and the, uh, the percentage of the rent. So always aim for under 10%. There are places out there that uh, are under 10%, so they exist. <laughs> you Just can do it. Not here to make everyone feel better. Accountants do that, don't Turnover. Now this is one that grinds my gears a little bit and we were speaking about earlier yeah. is every cafe owner knows their turnover if you say what did you do yesterday what did you do last week what's an average week everybody knows that number yeah. you say what's your wage percentage what's your cost a good percentage oh I'm not sure so the turnover is an easy way and it's a bit of a vanity number to um, say oh this is how we operate but really it doesn't mean much you know, so it's good. Obviously, the higher the turnover, the, the better. But there's so many layers under that that you need to know as an owner to really be a good operator. Can Can I just touch on that point as well? Um, because when I was in Melbourne and I was helping people with their cafes, and so I, I talked to quite a lot of different cafe owners. And it is one they'll look at the end of the day sales, and if the end of the day sales is down, they're depressed. And if the end of the day sale is high. They're enthusiastic. And from day to day, you don't really have any sort of idea of what's going on. And even going further with that, one single number, the turnover number, doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't tell you how many clients walk through the door. It doesn't tell you if you suddenly had five groups of, you know, of uh, meetings that came through and bought 50 coffees. Like, it doesn't tell you anything. It's just a number. Mm -hmm. You don't know if suddenly someone brought a group of friends and they had more food um, in a meal. You really, I think, it's, it's important maybe to touch on how important it is to break the turnover down and sort of analyze each number individually depending on, on what it means. It, exactly. And whether it's a cafe or any business, you need good record keeping so that you have all of these handles and you know when to pull and push them. So for instance, if you know um, 
how your wages fluctuate week to week, then you can make a plan, set it in place and go, well, look, the last four weeks they've been too high. And there's, there's tax office benchmarks that say, you know, this is what your wage cost uh, should be. There's industry standards. And if you're constantly too high, there's an issue. And you need to know that the issue is there and to fix it. And too often we probably see um, owners running a little bit blind. You know, their turnover might be up so they're happy. And yeah. then you say, well, 50% of that went straight out to wages. Yeah. So yeah. there's nothing left for you. Yeah. Or they're and measuring their cost sad. of good depending on how much they're paying for coffee, but then they're not accounting for wastage and all those sort of stuff. So they'll be like, oh, I'm paying $25 a kilo of coffee. And so they'll work out according to how much they're charging per coffee what their cost of good is. But in reality, you're throwing 30% of that down the bin. So your cost of good isn't really 25%. It's actually like 40 or something, yeah. you know? And, um, and it's hard to, because there is so many moving parts. If you get 10 supplier invoices a week, you need to factor all of those in yep. to then get a true cost. And that just comes down to good record keeping and not just good record keeping in the sense that you get it done, but that you stay on top of it week to week. It's not something that you look at what happened three months ago. You need to know what happened last week and the week before and make changes as soon as possible. What, what tools do you you need a good bookkeeper. Um, <laughs> but is that you? Actually, on that, would you, would you recommend anyone to do it themselves? Or would you recommend someone to do part of it? Or would you re recommend people to just outsource it totally? What is, what is your suggestion? It honestly, like, honestly I, know you, I know what you're going to say. But <laughs> honestly, honestly, you should drop it all. No, look, we really like when our clients become engaged. So for me, um, I wouldn't do it if you're approaching it from a, I want to save money. Yep. But if you're doing it from a point of view that you, A, enjoy, enjoy it. So yep. some people have some enjoyment in reconciling and in the numbers side of things. Yep. And B, that you want to be involved and know what your numbers are doing, then I would say definitely do it. So probably half of our clients look after their own payroll because mm -hmm. I think that's the one thing that can get out of hand quickly. Yep. And it really helps when an owner see, sees that each week and says, wow, cool. it's my wage bill this week. Cool. I've got to look at that. Cool. So it, it does depend. Because it can get messy, you know. Suddenly you're not paying suppliers and suddenly you don't own the coffee machine. And uh, it, it can get real messy real quick, especially when you're starting out and you're not bringing enough revenue to, to pay everything. So, yeah. yeah, it's probably a good idea to have someone manage all that. What, what, what sort of software would you recommend if somebody want to start? Like, I, I'm a cafe owner. I, I'm, I'm a wholesaler, so I use a lot zero, right? Because yeah. I can, there's a lot of invoices I can give away. But as a cafe owner, do you recommend them to use zero as well, even though yeah, they're receiving a lot of bills, right? So yeah. they're not giving invoices, they're receiving, you reckon? Yeah, so, and that can be overwhelming. You know, there's a lot of paperwork coming through. So we uh, recommend an app that we use, and there's a few of them, but we use receipt bank so essentially um, you can give one of your staff an iPad every time a bill comes in they take a photo and then that gets uploaded um, to the cloud and therefore to your zero file so it just means you know you're not stuck with a pile of paperwork that um, stresses you out you know it's done and dusted it's saved you can move on and I'll be honest it's the best thing you will ever do in your life <laughs> yeah just get yourself zero or a software that does it for you like your bars and your accounting bills will be pretty much halved, you know, so, and it's easy to get numbers. Do you enjoy using it? Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> the best. I did it bef without and then I did it with and it made a massive difference. Even though we have bookkeeping and we have outsourced bookkeeping and we still have to do it as well. So 
yeah, you, you have to be really engaged in this. Uh, right. Yeah, you don't need to know it inside out, but just make the time to try and learn some of it as you go. You, know, you don't need to know all of it. You don't need to know how to calculate a BAS, but just try and get involved. Um, so uh, another question I get asked uh, on the turnover front is, uh, well, if my turnover is higher, is my business worth more? And that depends. So think of it as time always trumps turnover. Well, so for instance, if your turnover is 10,000 a week and um, you know, you've seen a business sell for more that's turning over 15,000 a week, so you think, oh, I'll open nights, I'll do nights, I'll get a liquor license. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's more valuable uh, to a buyer. So always think uh, the less time involved, probably the bigger the pool of buyers that want to want to get involved. So let's say you're running, because there's a few cafes that are doing that now, that are sort of doing the cafe um, and then the bar at night. If you're running both profitably and you're going to sell, it'd be smarter to close the bar so that there's less operating hours, if they're both doing well? I would say yes, because there's more people that would prefer a cafe than a bar. Okay. In terms of the buyers that approach me, okay, cool. because it's daytime, yeah. they you know, might have families. And but even though your rent cost for the bar would be even less than 10, it'd be zero if the cafe's taking care of it. So, yeah. But I guess, interesting, buyers would still rather, it is, it is a very difficult operation to run. You know, cafe and bar, two very different yeah. lifestyles. It scares yeah, people. Yeah. Yeah. When do you sleep? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you just drink your problems away. Just, just yeah. in the corner between three and five in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. uh, so um, another important thing which most people understand is just the location, you know. So you want to make sure that you've got foot traffic. If you don't have foot traffic, do you have parking? Um, do you have something like a train station nearby <laughs> that means that, you know, people are going to be walking past? So. Um, another thing is whether the business is established or not. So uh, you might run a cafe for six months, get some really good press and think, all right, I'm going to sell it. This will be clever, um, which I think is. But it's, <laughs> it scares people because there's that uncertainty. Yeah. You don't have 12 months of trade. What if the following six months are, mm. it's a ghost town? Mm. You know, just Or increasing the menu prices, right? So you're, you increase the menu prices, so it looks like turnover is higher, but in reality, your people are upset because you've increased all the food prices, so the buyer sees higher turnover, but your market's actually going down. And in like four months' time, because you've pissed so many people off, yeah. your market, you know, I get it. Uh, and finally, another primary thing to think about is the ease of operation of your business. So you might have a reputation for the best food in a certain suburb, but if you need a fully qualified uh, chef to produce that food then people will look at that as a risk you know what if the chef leaves I don't know how to cook how do I produce this food so the easier the operation again the bigger pool of buyers that mm. you, you have at hand um, now this is uh, the secondary factors so these are the things that probably don't equate to value the first one is a nice fit out so it doesn't matter uh, what kind of light fixture you have, whether you've got it imported from Scandinavia, um, how comfortable your chairs are. These are not things that buyers are looking for. So any money that you spend unnecessarily during the fit out, you're not going to recoup it. 
Even though I appreciate a good life. What do we do? Just chuck it in the bin. eBay, mate. Just enjoy it while you have it. Okay. Destroy it. Make sure before you sell it's all destroyed. On that note, if your cafe is award-winning, if it's got an excellent reputation, four and five-star Google reviews, good branding, loyal customers. These are all great, but they're that final part of it, the, the process that will push a buyer across the line to say, you know, this is something that I want. And look, I have some buyers that are actively looking for businesses that have terrible reviews because to them, they're looking at that saying, well, there's more opportunity here. They can flip it. Exactly. Yep. So, But at the same time, it could mean customer loyalty, right? If you have a lot of awards, I mean... You've got a, a lot of loyal customer out there that trust you and they know. So it can go either way, See, no? Do they to trust you or the, trust the business? And that's the uncertainty. So if you're the operator and you're getting great reviews, suddenly if I come in and uh, you know, I don't have the experience that you have, I'll be worried that I'll lose those customers. So it's not always... Um, you know, It's great to have good reviews, but it's not always the be-all and end-all. So what are buyers looking for? Um, I've grouped this into three categories that mm -hmm. I see. Yep. The first is what I like to call the unicorn, and these are an emotional buyer. So this is the person that they see the review, they love the business, they love your light fitting, they want to talk to you about your light they fitting. They have the watermelon cake. <laughs> they love the watermelon <laughs> cake effect. They see your cafe and think, oh, I've always wanted to, I love that cafe, I, I want to buy it. They normally have money, they normally don't ask too many questions, and the seller normally gets the best price. Now these guys are probably 5%, so it takes time to find them. Okay. <clears throat> The next uh, most common, I would call the merchant. And if you are uh, somebody that's looking to create a cafe, this is probably your buyer. So these people are comfortable with money. They'll talk to me about profit and loss reports. They'll know what's going on. They want to grow their wealth, but they don't know how to create the concept. You know, they don't know what coffee should I use? What milk are people after? So. The artists uh, among, among us that are creating these cafes, these are the people that you want to buy your business. Mm. Uh, and the third group of people are basically 60% of the buyers and their tire kickers uh, <laughs> that, that don't necessarily have big budgets, looking for bargains. Mm, and yeah. you know, the only reason you would sell to these people is if you're time poor. If you need to get out, maybe you're moving overseas or something. So ideally, you steer clear of... They're, they're the people that pick up bargains, flip them, yep. um, but doesn't necessarily mean the best result for a seller. So always aim for the unicorn. <laughs> yeah, 5%. Um, so the, the key uh, takeaway, just before we, uh, I wrap up this part, uh, start with your end goals and work backwards. Don't think about... I know it's exciting but try not to spend too much time focusing on um, you know, fit out of machines and lighting. Think, okay, lease, 10 years, where will I be? Do I have a family? Am I gonna start a family? Will I be in Sydney? What are, what's gonna happen? And then you can plan your timeline around that. Um, don't rush into a lease. Take time, ask questions, ask colleagues, drop in. I mean, most people in this industry are fairly friendly. And if you come up and say, guys, what do you think of these terms? 
I mean, I'm sure you guys, if somebody came to you with a lease, you'd, you'd give them an honest opinion. Yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, systemize everything. Not many operators do this, and it kills me. So what I mean by that is, what staff do you need? What are their roles? What are the procedures? And get it all written down. Because it's no good when a buyer comes in and you say, oh, I can explain it to you all and I can train you because it has a level of uncertainty. So if you can say to them, here's my handbook on running this business, they'll just feel so much more comfortable. Um, concept and fit out are important, but don't throw away too much money.